We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Hey everybody, welcome back to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, alongside Aubrey Sampson. My name is Brian Fromm. Really glad to have you with us today. Aubrey, today is Veterans Day, and understanding that it is Veterans Day, I thought it uh, appropriate that this should be how we start the show today. Like, it is uh, an important day that we all too often look past. Why is uh, this holiday, amongst many of the others, why is Veterans Day such an important one for us to pause and to reflect upon? You know, I think obviously Veterans Day is honoring all of our veterans. Memorial Day is honoring the veterans who we've lost. But this is honoring veterans far and wide, alive and past from all of the various wars. And, you know, I, I think the reality is some of these veterans... Like, this is the last generation of the World War II veterans, at least. And then for others, the fact that these are folks who have committed their lives to, um, to defend us, really Mm -hmm. living so Mm -hmm. self-sacrificially in their career, in their day to day, so that we can have the freedoms that we have. And I, I think it is, you know, if, if we don't honor them, we are not appreciating the fact that these men and women have done so much so that we can live the lives that we live now. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, you bring up a, a, a you bring up something really interesting. I think the, that especially the veterans who served in World War II, even into Vietnam and Korea, uh, that those generations are kind of dying off. Right? They're yeah. they're getting much older, and yeah. it is uh, doubly important, if you will, to reflect upon their service, thank their service. And the question always becomes around Veterans Day: uh, How do you honor? Mm-hmm. I think, first of all, you want to honor just by remembering, yes. by taking the time to go, OK, uh, this is an important day for me to be thankful and think about how we have what we have, the freedoms yeah. that we have. And both the veterans who served a long time ago, but also the veterans who are serving now and, right. and those uh, who served in Afghanistan and Iraq. Uh, but, Aubrey, what might be I saw an article here at Military.com, mm-hmm. ways that we can show appreciation, things like, you know, flying a flag or asking someone about their service. But it kind of feels like one of the things we could do, you and I have kids, is to take time to talk to our kids about the importance of our veterans and the importance of the military and how our country is what it is. It just seems like a time, uh, the best way we can honor is to educate and to remember and to even talk to our kids. I appreciate that, Brian, because I think a lot of times my dad was in the Navy, so he's one who we honor on Veterans Day. But I would say we don't often talk about the military in our family. Mm -hmm. Like, that's just not a dinner conversation because we're not a military family Mm -hmm. uh, besides my father. And so I, you know, I think you're right. This is a day to stop and talk to our kids about the veterans, maybe encourage them to write a note or a postcard or send a letter to a veteran that they know, or maybe a friend of a friend veteran and just recognize, hey, we honor and appreciate your service. And in that way, then we're, I mean, this is very even biblical. We're telling the next generation of the acts that the other generation has done. 
And hopefully because of that, they'll be inspired to continue that legacy. Yeah, that's well put. And uh, uh, let me ask this question. Let me take it a little bit broader, kind of about the church. Uh, One of the most um, common biblical concepts, one of the things we see throughout the Bible is the idea of remembering. Like we are a culture that that is always about what's mm. next. We're always forward facing. Yeah. We're always moving on, except when the really big things happen, right? Right. Uh, but Veterans Day is a day, Memorial Day is a day that is meant to cause reflection, look back, pause, remembering. Um, it's a day of remembrance. And so, Aubrey, talk to us about the biblical concept of remembering, like the, the, why it's so important that we don't always move on to the next thing for our faith to even grow. You know, it's funny. I was just having a conversation with someone about this earlier today because um, she was saying she was with a group of people who were really feeling like, no, biblically, we're not supposed to look backwards. We look forward. We are people who like keep moving. We are. And she was kind of unpacking that with me. Like, is that biblical? And I was Mm. like, well, no. I mean, both things are true. Certainly we, we live as people who have future hope, but I mean, hundreds of times, I think it's like 132 times throughout scripture, Old and New Testament, we are told to remember, 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 Mm. to mark things by, you know, laying down a stone or building an altar, laying down our Ebenezer, as the song says, in order to remember the faithfulness of God and in order to go back and celebrate it in order to build our worship. I mean, remembrance really is an act of worship. Mm. And so this is one way remembering our veterans is an act of worship. Yeah. And and so I, I, you know, even God tells the Israelites to remember, right? Like this is what many of their holidays are, many of their acts, many of their sacrifices. It is so that they don't forget. And so often in the Old Testament, the Israelites get off track. We read because they forgot. There you go. They forgot about what God had done for them. They forgot about God's faithfulness. And that still happens today, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you remembered all the ways that God has been faithful, all the ways that God has shown up in your life, you would never doubt your faith. You would never go, ah, <laughs> so done. true. But instead, we're always going fast and, f- and forward. And yeah. I-, I do this with my kids sometimes. Like things are happening so fast in our lives and things are moving so quickly that I forget. Oh, man, remember this. Remember when we did this. I just think it generally it makes us for a healthier, more introspective people when we remember um, the good things that God has done in our life, mm. the things that our family has done mm. for us, uh, I would encourage people out there, if you're not somebody who takes time to reflect, to do that generally speaking, but specifically today, yeah. take time to remember our veterans, what they have done. And if you know any veterans, go reach out uh, to an organization or to the veterans in your life and say thank you. Uh, yeah. Show some good. gratitude and be thankful. So today is Veterans Day, and uh, we hope that makes a difference for you. Coming up next, we are thrilled to be joined by Dr. Tony Evans, as well as uh, Dr. Evans' daughter, Priscilla Shire. We're going to talk to them about all sorts of things, but specifically their new film, Journey with Jesus, that is going to be in theaters November 15th, 16th, and 17th. Aubrey and I both had a chance to see it. It is great. It is awesome. We're, We're really excited to talk to Tony Evans and Priscilla Shire about that. Next here on The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life.
Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, alongside Aubrey Sampson. My name is Brian Fromm, and Aubrey and I are thrilled to be joined by Dr. Tony Evans. He's the founder and senior pastor of Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship in Dallas. He's also a teammate here on the station. You can hear The Alternative with Dr. Tony Evans Sundays at 5 p.m. right here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. And also joined by Priscilla Shire. Uh, She is the co-founder of Going Beyond Ministries. Dr. Evans and Priscilla, how are you? Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. We're glad to be with you. Thanks for having us. It is absolutely our pleasure. And we're having you guys on to talk about your new film called Journey with Jesus, which is in theaters November 15th, 16th, and 17th. Priscilla, let me start with you. Just tell us the background of this movie. What's it about? What What is it? And uh, what was it like for you guys to put this project together? Well, it is based on a journey through the land of the Bible, through Israel. So we traveled there and through key points um, on the landscape there, we were able to just sort of record what was happening in that area um, in the scriptures. And it really does help to put flesh on what people are reading in their Bibles about what Jesus did, what he said, why he was in a particular place when he said it, and what the significance of that would be. So it was a pleasure to be able to do that with my dad, Dr. Evans, and my sister, and to just be there as a family and experience that together is something we're looking forward to sharing with others through this film. Yeah, that was absolutely a beautiful part of it. Just just your family reflecting together on the life of Jesus was really, really meaningful. Dr. Evans, what do you hope viewers will take away from watching this film, Journey with Jesus? Well, I hope they, they come in and have an incarnational experience. You know, Jesus is God becoming man. Uh, and uh, taking on our reality. And so to be able to give a visual to this, I hope that it will make the Bible jump off the page in people's hearts uh, and give them an experience. So many people have not yet gone to the Holy Land, and right now it's difficult to do that with all the with the virus and everything like this. So to give them the experience and to join us as a family and personalize that experience, I hope it it ignites a new fire for their commitment to the Lord, their desire to follow the Lord, and for the reality of the Lord operating in their life. So whenever you have a visual tied to a verbal, you get a full picture. And so we hope that that full picture ignites uh, a flame in people's hearts. That's beautiful. You know, when I was in college, uh, you know, going on 25 years ago now, I got to spend an entire summer in Israel. It was life changing for my faith, for for the Bible, as you said, just came alive. I would love for both of you to answer this. Priscilla, we'll start with you. Uh, It's all meaningful. But was there one moment for you? Was there one place for you that just jumped out? Uh, I'd love to hear what that is and why that particular place jumped out to you. Absolutely. Well, as you mentioned, being there is just surreal on so many levels. Yeah. Um, so I could mention many things, but probably the main thing for me that really was uh, monumental and impactful for me was going into the garden tomb where they believe Jesus was buried and going into that area and then walking into the actual tomb. Um, you know, he's not there. So there's nothing to see. And I'm so glad I've never been so glad in my life to see nothing. Yeah, <laughs> it is just that confirmation, that beautiful confirmation that we're not here to see a body. We're not here to see, you know, um, some sort of, uh, you know, imagery of Jesus' body still here. He is risen. And so just the 
the, the beautiful effect of walking into that tomb and realizing that Jesus is not there was just something that was spectacular for me. Well, for me, it was the Sea of Galilee because so much of Jesus's ministry was tied to that region. And when we went out on the boat uh, and and we had our, our guests who were some seven hundred people with us with on this particular trip and and to be uh, and to talk from the the Word of God on the Sea of Galilee about an event that took place in that very location just kind of breathed life into what I was saying because I was in the place where it took place. So the Sea of Galilee was special for me. Oh, so awesome. I hope I get to go one day. Okay, talk to us about what even inspired you to do this. What was the the reason behind Journey with Jesus to start? Dr. Evans, you can begin, and then I'd love to hear from you, Priscilla, as well. Well, uh, we were taking um, some of our ministry friends of our national ministry, the Urban Alternative, uh, and, and just inviting them to join us uh, to go to the Holy Land. And then we decided, well, you know, since we're going to be over there, and since we're going to be teaching, well, there'll be these 700 people with us, but there's so many other people who would love the experience. So why don't we why don't we um, uh, video our trip, and then allow other people to join us on our journey after this journey is over? So it's like it's like the Bible, you know, it's written, but now it's it's got long legs on it for generations. So why just have a trip for 700 when it gets experience for hundreds and thousands of people long term? So it just kind of grew as a as an extension of that decision to have the trip. And then Priscilla, what about you? What uh, would you say the same thing or was there anything else that inspired the creation of Journey with Jesus? Well, I I don't know that this really inspired it, but I will say that something that is incredibly meaningful to us is that, you know, our mom uh, was there with us. You know, dad and mom were married for 49 and a half years, and and this would be, you know, what would be her last time to be in Israel. She passed away at the end of uh, 2019, Um, and so it became incredibly meaningful to share that experience with her and then to have some of that on video and her presence there with us and obviously the physical memories from being there with her, but then to have some of that videoed and photographed as well because of this film, I'm incredibly grateful for that opportunity as well. Yeah. Again, the movie is called Journey with Jesus. It's in theaters November 15th, 16th, and 17th. Uh, you can get your tickets at journeywithjesusmovie.com. Again, it's called journeywithjesusmovie.com. As I said, Aubrey and I both had a chance to see it, and it was phenomenal. It was it was really uh, powerful. Dr. Evans, something that struck me in watching it, and Priscilla just touched on this, was watching you at, to be there with your kids mm-hmm. uh, and your family. I found that to be so uh, endearing. It was like I was going on a family vacation with you guys. <laughs> and and I just wonder, what was that like for you? What is it like for you to be there with your adult kids um, and, and with the 700 people, but particularly interacting with your children as you go about that journey? Well, it, it was special because of our shared family faith. You know, we've always been close as a family, and so whenever we can, we, you know, everybody's so busy, we do things together, and this was uh, a, a special trip at a special time um, that we could be together as a family and and rehearse on, in the Holy Land our common uh, shared faith. And so that made it precious, special, mm-hmm. and a ongoing legacy of memory 
of uh, us together with the Lord in the land where uh, he uh, he lived and where he demonstrated both his humanity and his deity. Mm, so powerful. I hope this isn't a spoiler alert, but I, I loved the moment, Dr. Evans, you're talking about your own dad coming to faith. And Priscilla, there's a moment where you almost seem like surprised about his past. And that was that was so interesting. But then thinking about the generational impact of your, I think you called him too, daddy. Yeah. Yeah. The generational impact of his uh, conversion to Christ. And now thinking about the fact that your family was there in Israel and the ministry impact. I, that was very, very powerful. You just see how, I don't know, just how amazing the Lord is, how good Jesus is. I wonder, that seemed like um, a really inspiring moment. Were there other moments like that where you were just moved by something that God has done because of your time in Israel? Well, um, being able to have those moments of meditation, when we had communion uh, together as a group, and we were, we were remembering the Lord in a unique, fresh, living way. You know, it's easy for communion to become rote and routine, but you can't do that there. <laughs> it becomes a visual experience of a reality that you are participating in. So I think that that would be a very special, uh, a delicate memory of, of, of remembering the Lord around communion, uh, the place where he arose. So uh, that was an exciting time, a sacred time as well. Yeah. Priscilla, there was a moment that I, I, I loved. I kind of laughed. Uh, I believe you guys were in Magdala. It might have been Capernaum, but I believe you guys were in Magdala. Uh, and you and your dad and the tour guide were, were talking in, um, in the kind of the synagogue area. And the tour guide said, Jesus very well might have sat on that stone right there. And you got up and went and sat on the stone. <laughs> you were like, I want to go do that. Uh, we've kind of touched on it again. But for people who've never been to Israel, what is that feeling you get? What is that kind of profound um, goosebumps that you get when you hear like Jesus literally might have walked here? What, is that, what does that do for you and your faith? I think it cements it. I, I think that it allows someone who, um, it, it's just like if someone were, you know, writing you letters that, that were, that was a pen pal, and you'd been reading those letters over the course of a year or two or 20 years, but then when you meet that, that uh, person that's been writing those letters, that, that friend, that you've only known through their words, and then you maybe visit them on their turf, and you walk, and you see the, the elementary school they went to, the church that they went to, the place where they lived, you walk you visit the stores that they shopped at, all the things you've only read in letters. It just sort of put, puts flesh and magnifies and deepens the relationship you have with this person that's been a bit a pen pal up until now. That's sort of the feeling where we have come to know him and love him and experience him through the scriptures. But when you walk in the places where he walked and you see the details and dynamics that have been sort of um, hewn from the experts and the scholars and the archaeologists and the people who've been able to really uncover the paths and the places where Jesus moved and walked, it really does cement and deepen um, a friendship with Jesus. Mm, I love that. And I love that you're giving so many people the opportunity to walk where Jesus walked through this film journey with Jesus. Let me ask you both one more question. Um, just, just thinking of your mom and um, your late wife, this has been a hard year for a lot of people. 
obviously there's been a lot of loss, a lot of pain. I wonder if you could just speak a word of encouragement over some of our listeners who are hurting. Dr. Evans, uh, would you begin? And then Priscilla, I'll ask you to do the same thing. Well, it's interesting that you would ask that question now. You know, uh, me and uh, my kids just came out with a book called Divine Disruption. And the subtitle is, you know, mm-hmm. Keeping Hope When Life Breaks Your Heart. Mm-hmm. And, and each of us speak into that book to talk about the hope that we have in Christ in, uh, in spite of the pains that life brings our way. Uh, and so without that mm-hmm. hope where you are, you, 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 you are wandering, you, there is no anchor for your, your life and certainly for your soul. So to be able to have the hope that we have in Christ, even with the disruption that took place in our family, um, is, uh, is life-giving because it means that you, you grieve hopefully, not hopelessly. And so that's, yeah. that's the message yeah. that we, we put together in that book, and that was the experience that we remember when we look at the film. Absolutely. And I would just echo that, the idea of an anchor that keeps you steady when life is uncertain and when it's unsettling and all of our reality, no matter where in the globe, on the globe you live, over the past two years, all of us have been incredibly unsettled with everything that has happened um, in the world. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, of course, yeah. personal losses that, that many other people, including us, have faced. Um, you know, my mother was one of eight people that we lost in our family over the course of two and a half years. And mm-hmm. so there was this incredible, oh, wow. incredible rippling of difficulty and tragedy and hardship and um, kind of shock back to back in our family. But I will say that while we um, cried many tears and asked many questions, there was an anchor. There is this sense of knowing that God is good, His character is unchanging, He loves us, He is sovereign, so that even when we're shocked and disappointed by the stuff of earth, um, we can anchor ourselves to this hope that our God loves us and He is still seated on the throne. He's not shaken by what shakes us. And that sort of an anchor is what we have to pass on to people um, as we all uh, remember that there is hope in Jesus, no matter how difficult life becomes. Oh, thank you for that. That is such a good word. Again, the movie is called Journey with Jesus. It's in theaters November the 15th, 16th, and 17th. You can get your tickets at journeywithjesusmovie.com. That's journeywithjesusmovie.com. Go there, get all the info, find out where it's going to be, get your tickets. You can also learn more about Dr. Evans at tonyevans.org and learn more about Priscilla at goingbeyond.com. And let me remind you one more time that you can hear encouragement from Dr. Evans on The Alternative with Dr. Tony Evans, which is on Sundays at 5 p.m. right here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Uh, Dr. Evans, Priscilla, just thank you. We're really grateful for you taking the time coming on here. We're grateful for your ministry and we're excited for the movie. Thanks for spending some time with us. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Absolutely our pleasure. You're listening to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. Hope you're having an enjoyable evening. My name is Aubrey Sampson alongside my co-host, Brian Fromm, and we are so glad that you're with us today. Okay, Brian, there are probably some things you believed as a kid that as you've gotten older, you realized maybe weren't true or were like urban legends or something. Can you, does anything come to mind? 
you know, and part of it is I've already read the list that we're going to talk about. So let me, they, their number one is one that I always thought was true until like a year ago. <laughs> okay, uh, let's hear it. Uh, when you swallow gum, it stays in your stomach for seven years. <laughs> yes, I think I believe that one too. So we what, were right? all taught that, that you're like, like that people had died because they had all this ball of gum totally. in, their, in their stomach. Totally. And therefore, you should never swallow, swallow gum, gum because it, it does it. Your body can't process it. Not true at all. But I was, <laughs> I'm talking within the last three to five years where I was like, oh, wait, that's actually not true. <laughs> I, I thought every time I swallowed that gum, I was in big trouble. Uh, that's hilarious. How about you? Well, let me just point out before we answer that list that Brian mentioned is over at BuzzFeed.com. They're writing 23 facts and facts is in air quotes. Facts you probably believed during child childhood that are completely and totally fake. That gum one. This one is funny. They mentioned um, we need to pass legislation against the Bermuda Triangle. And it says, does anyone go through phases the kid where they were genuinely concerned about the Bermuda Triangle? And why is no one solving that problem? I kind of <laughs> st- still wonder about that sometimes because that was like, this mysterious place like Amelia Earhart? Is that where she is? Yes. Yes. My daughter asked me about that just the other day. She's like, I don't understand the whole cut. And I said, I don't know, but you don't want to fly over it. (laughs) 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 Yeah. It's like this idea that that there's some almost paranormal Mm -hmm. thing going on Mm -hmm. out there. Uh, I love in the list. Here's another one that I, I bought hook, line and sinker, uh, that at some point, if you're not careful, you're going to accidentally step into quicksand and it will kill you no matter what. <laughs> that like there is quicksand everywhere. You're not going to see it coming. And if you if you fall into it, you are done. Like there is no. And then in reality, when you watch stuff about quicksand, A, it's not everywhere. And B, not going to kill you. You're going to be OK. But quicksand was like the boogeyman for yes. all small kids you're like totally be careful be careful of that quicksand it's totally. gonna get you it's gonna get you there you you like just gonna sink and that's it um okay this one is really funny and actually i even as i read this i was like no i think this is true so there's a picture of those you know just at the bottom of sometimes purse you you're not buying purses but certain items there's that little gel pack, yes. right? It's a silica or silica. I'm not sure how you even say it. Gel pack. It says these things. This is the lie that we believe. These things are some of the most poisonous objects on the planet. It says on BuzzFeed, they're actually non-toxic. But I mean, I still like grab it and throw it away right away because I don't want it in my house because I'm a little afraid of what's in there. It's so true. Uh, uh, Still to this day, and it might be dangerous for my kid, uh, but or for my dogs. But I always think if it hits the ground, I'm like diving on the ground to pick up one of those packets (laughs) before it gets uh, before it gets some. Yeah, there's some other just great ones on that list. Here's one. I would love to know where this came from. That if you tear the mattress tag off of a mattress or a pillow, it's actually illegal. Right. And I don't know if that's actually true. They they word it tearing off the mattress tag is a capital offense. <laughs> but I, you remember that you were like, don't, yes. don't ever cut no, the tag off the mattress. No, you're not supposed to do that. But like now that you're an adult, think about that. Like maybe people out there go, no, that is actually illegal for some reason. But right now I'm going, why would me tearing a tag off yes. of my mattress yes. be a a big deal? To I, I don't know. I would like I to find know. out because I there are because I buy pillows a lot. I like to decorate with pillows. 
they still do say that on there. I can't remember what it says, but like it's a criminal offense to take. But I don't know why. Like, what is the reason <laughs> behind that? I cut him off. Just I'm putting myself out there. I put him off. They put another one on here that. Well, oh, my gosh. This is like my childhood that if you're in your basement or in your garage <laughs> or something that if you when, the second you turn off the light, you need to sprint out of there because totally. Yes. I watched enough horror movies, like yes. especially Nightmare on Elm Street or Friday the 13th. That we had like our basement wasn't like my house growing up wasn't like a normal basement. Like it was an older house. So it wasn't like, you know, kind of down. It was through the garage. Oh, it went down. And it wasn't like a finished basement. So okay. it was kind of creepy down yeah. there. But me and my friends, we'd go down there on occasion. But you turned off that light. <laughs> and I would just dead sprint up because it was like a hundred percent something's coming for you within two seconds of turning (laughs) off this light i will be taken captive if i don't get the heck out of here right now someone is coming for you that is so true okay i thought this one was really funny this is something i actually do to my kids this person says why did my mama make me think it was illegal to turn a light on in a car while you were driving throughout my whole childhood like i think it's because it's annoying it makes it hard to see but my mom would do the same thing it's against the law we'll get pulled over if the light's on and i say the same thing to my kids that's a wonderful one i know because uh, i always just i'm too honest with my kids i'm like hey that makes it harder to drive give me <laughs> well, a that would you know, be like the reasonable thing like it's yeah that's- but, oh, i gotta try illegal i gotta try like <laughs> hey this just happened i like this one man then let me tell you one i thought of that is not on this list okay. but i like this one on the list man eating plants are gonna hunt you down <laughs> did you ever wonder that like i also grew up the house i was just describing we we grew up kind of in the woods and and there was this idea, you watch enough of those movies where like, you know, uh, the, the plants that are going to get you, you're like, are there, do those actually exist? Like, is there actually an enormous Venus flytrap <laughs> that is going to just kind of like from Little Shop me? of Horrors? Yes. Yes. All right. Here's my last one. This, okay. this one's not on the list. Okay. I actually don't know if it worked, but did you grow up with Nintendo? Did you grow up playing Nintendo? Yeah, of course. We all were uh, conditioned to believe that if the Nintendo didn't work, which was like 50% of the time, I know what you're take it say. out and blow in that thing as hard as, as hard as humanly possible. Like if I just blow on that thing, like, yes. like hurricane level, yes. it will work. It will start again. Now, in all in all actuality, it usually did work. I, know, and I have no idea why. But now <laughs> it's the running joke that kids are like our kids age don't get. Like if something do- doesn't work, I'll say to my wife, like, hey, just like shake it and blow on yeah. it. And maybe it'll work. <laughs> we do that to our kids all the time. They're always like, what? What are you talking about? OK, I have I have one more that's okay. similar to uh, similar to the like you're in the basement with the lights off. This is when I was a kid. I would like, OK. I hope it's okay to say this, but I'm in the bathroom. I was always afraid there was someone behind the shower curtain. And so Mm. I would, I would literally like move the shower curtain super fast to make sure that it was safe to go to the bathroom. And what about the urban legend that basically said now, now we're, you know, bathroom humor. Yeah. But what about the urban legend that it was like, you got to make sure that there's not a snake coming out of the toilet oh, before you. Totally. Yes. Which might be true, like in Texas or in Arizona, <laughs> but where I grew up, probably not an probably issue. Probably not. Not New Jersey. There weren't <laughs> exactly. any toilet snakes there. Exactly. Well, thanks for indulging us in that. You can find that whole list over at BuzzFeed 23 facts. You probably believed your entire childhood that are completely and totally fake. Let us know 
if you have any, that would be a fun thing to talk about on social media. Coming up next, we're joined by Tony Ciro, the regional director for the Upper Midwest for Samaritan's Purse. We're going to talk with him about Operation Christmas Child. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson alongside my co-host, Brian Fromm. And we are thrilled today to be joined by Tony Ciro. Tony is the regional director for the Upper Midwest for Samaritan's Purse. And we are so excited to talk to Tony about Operation Christmas Child, the impact that it has, and their National Collection Week, which is coming up, I think, just next week, November 15th, November 22nd. So, Tony, thanks so much for being here with us today. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do specifically at Operation Christmas Child? Sure. What I do is I work with uh, the area coordinators. These are all the the leader volunteers in the upper Midwest area, which includes Iowa, Minnesota, Wisconsin, uh, Illinois, and North and South Dakota. And we work with these these area coordinators in order for them to build up their teams with the ultimate goal of, of producing more shoeboxes and more gospel opportunities in each of these different areas. Oh, that's great. And Tony, uh, my church for years has done Operation Christmas Child. It is, it is a great um, uh, ministry. Can you help people who may not be aware of what Operation Christmas Child is? What exactly is it? And talk to us about the impact that it makes around the world. Sure. What the, what the ministry is about is that we, we provide a simple shoebox, which is an opportunity to be able to share the love of Jesus with children around the world. So with each shoebox that we provide to a child, they get, uh, they get the greatest gift, which is a document that describes in their local language, uh, about Jesus and the gospel and, uh, and about Jesus's love. And so with that simple little gift, uh, that tangible form of God's love, they also get to hear about Jesus. And so as of last year, uh, we provided over 188 million shoe boxes since the, wow. since the Operation Christmas Child started. Isn't that incredible? Yes. Since, uh, since 1993. That is so awesome. And uh, Tony, is there a personal story that you could share? Because I'm sure you have hundreds of thousands of stories of how these boxes have impacted kids' lives. I would love to hear one of those stories. Sure. You know, the, the, uh, uh, simple one is that, uh, there was a, a child in, a, in an area that, that was, uh, uh in Africa, uh, and he received the shoebox. And in his shoebox was actually uh, gloves, warm gloves, and a hat. And this is, you know, this is being delivered to a child in Africa where the temperature doesn't drop below 90 degrees. <laughs> right. Right. And so, and so the, the story is that he, he opened up his shoebox and there was a volunteer with him there. And the volunteer was like, Oh, why would, you know, why would God give this child in this hot area gloves and a hat? But then she looked down and noticed that the child was missing, was missing two of his fingers. And, mm. and so he, the child put these gloves on and he just had the hugest smile on his face because now he said, look, I have 10 fingers, just like oh. all of my friends and started running around and, and was, was really excited. And later on, unfortunately, we found out that he had lost his, his two fingers because, because his parents, um, uh, went to the witch doctor when they were sick. Mm. And, and they had to give his fingers in exchange for that. And so just that tangible form of love and that child knew that God right then and there was with him and that Jesus was with him. 
That's a powerful story, Tony. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, in the midst of COVID, we turn on the news and we learn about all these supply chain problems. P- things can't get where they're going. Uh, curious, what's it like for you guys? Are, are Is it a more difficult year to get these shoeboxes out? What are the plans to make sure these shoeboxes get where they need to go? Yes, you know, it, it is a, it is a more difficult year this year, not only with the, uh, with the issues with the, the shipping, but also, also it's just hiring some seasonal employees as well. Um, mm-hmm. that's, that's been a, a little bit difficult this year, but you know, we know, we always know that God has it and that God is, uh, all a part of this ministry. We're constantly in prayer, uh, here and, and we know that, that, uh, what we're doing here is sharing the love of Jesus Christ with children around the world. And so we re- rely heavily on God to, to help us in these situations. And so we've had to adjust a little bit. We've had to, to reshuffle a little bit, but, but we know going into national collection week and processing season that, that we'll be able to get those shoe boxes in the hands of, of the children around the world. And, and this year we're hoping for 9.7 million children more to be able to, to be able to hear about Jesus and to receive shoeboxes. That is awesome. Listeners, you can find out more about Operation Christmas Child at SamaritansPurse.org slash OCC. Again, that's SamaritansPurse.org slash OCC. Tony, um, I, give us some like details. What, if someone gets a shoebox, what are they supposed to put in it? Yeah, so there's, uh, so what we want to uh, do when the child receives their shoebox is that we like to, them to have a wow item. And that wow item could be, you know, a soccer ball with a pump because, you know, soccer balls are, 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 are really loved by, by both boys and girls, uh, around the world. So a wow gift like that or a stuffed animal or for, a, for a, a, a a child, a female child, you know, a dress or something of that sort. So some sort of wow item in there. Uh, the second thing we want is hygiene items like a toothbrush, um, a, a washcloth, simple things like that that we take for granted is a big deal in, in many of these countries where we provide the shoebox. And then the last thing is is school supplies. Um, in many of the places that we deliver the shoeboxes, kids can't go to school unless they have school supplies. And so by providing those, you know, those school supplies like pens and markers, um, and, and notepads in their, in their shoebox. This is enabling these kids to go to school. So those are the three categories of items that, that we always want to see in, in a shoebox. Hmm. And, and Tony, as I mentioned earlier, uh, I've always been a part of churches that do Operation Christmas Child. That makes it easier, right? You get the box at your church, you return it to your church. Uh, but what about people out there who maybe aren't a part of a church or whose churches don't do this? Can individuals do this? And if so, how does that work? Because again, as I told you, I'm only kind of used to it from churches. How does it work for individuals to do it? Yeah, that's a great question. Absolutely, individuals can do it. Um, all they need is a shoebox. They can either get, you know, an Operation Christmas Child standard shoebox, or they can take one of their one of the shoeboxes from their home and go off and pack. Um, we we do have individuals that aren't affiliated with churches that do pack. Um, what they can do then, once they pack that shoebox, they can take it to one of the four thousand locations we have nationwide to drop off that shoebox during National Collection Week, which is next week between the 15th and the 22nd of November. And so absolutely, they can pack as individuals. We encourage that. um, And uh, it's simple to do. Oh, that's so awesome. And Tony, we kind of touched on this before with that powerful story of the glove for that child in Africa. But talk to us one more time about just the difference that these boxes make in a child's life. 
Yeah, in many in many of the situations, these these children um, they've never received a gift. Um, mm. a, a, another story that uh, that I'll share with you is that we we have uh, a child who received a, a shoebox when she was in Guatemala in a uh, in an orphanage, and you know you would think that the the dress would be important to her or the stuffed animal but what would, would be important to her, but what ended up being important to her was a toothbrush, because in that orphanage. At night, the 10 girls that she was in the orphanage with all shared a single toothbrush. And, and so that little simple toothbrush, once again, showed her the tangible form of God's love. Oh, that is so awesome. Again, you can learn more about Operation Christmas Child at SamaritansPurse.org slash OCC. Again, go to SamaritansPurse.org slash OCC. Tony, thanks so much for being here with us today. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson alongside my co-host, Brian Fromm, and we are so thrilled to be joined by friends from our sister station in WEZE in Boston. We are joined by Nikkei Shelton. She's an attorney. She's the author of the Love Living Out Victory Every Day blog. We're also joined by her husband, Eric Shelton. He's a senior pastor of Living Elevated Church. Nikkei and Eric are also the co-hosts of What's In You on WEZE in Boston. Nikkei and Eric, thanks so much for being here with us. Thank you so much for having us. Yes, thanks for having us. EK, we are really excited because you have a very cool event coming up tomorrow. And uh, before I spoil the details for everybody, why don't you tell us about the event and where it's taking place? Sure. We are so excited to be in Chicago. Um, we are going to be here at the Westin O'Hare um, tomorrow night at 7.30 p.m. for our first Friday fire night revival um, here out of state. And so we're excited to branch out and take a step of faith um, where we're going to be here. Um, God has led me to the Midwest in particular. He had basically told me that I want you to branch out and he told me to go West and Midwest in particular. Hmm. And so we're starting here in Chicago and uh, because the church needs to be revived. The body of Christ needs to be revived. And um, it's necessary at this day and point, especially after having gone through the pandemic um, and people um, have been leery about coming back to ch the church house. Um, Larry have fallen off and, and grown kind of dull in their faith mm -hmm. uh, because they've been watching on Zoom or, you know, um, Facebook Live or however it means that um, we've been watching church because we had to. Uh, but now, you know, it's it's kind of dull, dim the fire or the light, so to speak. And um, we know the word says that we ought to let our light shine so that men see and glorify God in heaven. And so he told me to strike the match that would uh, bring back the fire again, bring back the fire. Mm. Nikkei, love it. Uh, again, it's called the Fire Friday Revival happening tomorrow at 7.30 p.m. at the Weston O'Hare. Uh, so someone's listening, Nikkei, and they're like, I want to be a part of that. Where can they get more information? Does it cost anything? And maybe also paint a picture for what's actually going to happen during the evening. Sure. Um, tomorrow night, you can register if you want to attend at www.whatsinyou.org. Um, it is free. It is a free event um, here at the Westin again. And they could expect 
praise and worship like none other. We have our psalmist, our guest psalmist, Elder Tawana Johnson um, from Boston, but she is a fire in and of itself. And you're going to get work, go into the presence of the almighty God mm. uh, like never before. And um, after hearing her, you will then hear me prayerfully <laughs> and, um, and the word that God has put in uh, me for such a time as this. Oh, I cannot wait. It sounds amazing. And Nikkei, where can people register for the event just to make sure they don't miss it again? It's tomorrow night, 7.30 p.m. at the Westin O'Hare. Where can they get tickets? Sure. www.whatsinyou.org. Awesome. Okay. And Pastor Eric, I want to hear from you for a minute because you have a, uh, obviously a fire filled wife. She yeah. comes to you and she says, all right, the Lord wants me to go West, specifically the Midwest. I want to hear your reaction. It's time to get your bags. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. It's a good man right there. Yeah. yeah. You, you can't doubt what God is doing. And, uh, you know, just as COVID took us all by surprise, what God's going to do now requires us to respond and to move when he speaks. And so when my wife came to me about the Midwest, uh, you know, we have, we've been in the house for over a year. So anything to get out, <laughs> let's make that happen. Especially if God's going to send us, therefore he's going to protect us and we're going to be on assignment. So what an awesome uh, revelation that was given unto her that, you know, we are out here now being able to uh, impact another area for the kingdom. And so it's just it's just great, including the opportunity to speak with you all on today. Yeah, we appreciate it. And Eric, uh, Nikkei talked uh, so well and so inspiringly about the church's need for revival. And as we said, you're a pastor. Yeah. Uh, what are your hopes for the church coming out of COVID? Aubrey and I are both pastors as well. So this has just been quite the difficult season. What are your hopes as you look towards the future of the church here? I'm praying that uh, with the revivals and us coming back to church, that people would get a real sense of design a relationship with God. Never get caught up with coming to church for religion or rituals or routine, but really design a relationship with God. We've lost a lot of people over this time period, but we did not lose God in the midst mm. of it. And so what we want to do is be able to say, listen, let's get back to church. Let's heal together. Let's fellowship together. And let's get to know the God who created all things that we may really understand our purpose and our calling as it also extends to our um, to our broadcast. What's in you? People don't know what's in them. So prayerfully, they'll begin to desire to know God more that they may really learn what's in them and what they're calling their purpose is. Mm, amen. And Nikkei, that's a good segue because I would love to to hear from you about what's in you. Again, you could listen to it on WEZE in Boston. What's really the heart and purpose of the show that you two do together? It is to really highlight and bring forth um, the purpose um, out of each and every person. Um, it's The show actually started as uh, What's in Your Belly, which came from a sermon that I preached um, regarding, you know, the scripture that says uh, John 7 and, and 30, 38. Um, he that believeth on me, like the scripture says, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And so really building up the people of God to know that it's faith that moves the mountains. It's mm -hmm. it's our belief system. Do we really believe the word of God like it like we should? And it's that it's only then um, that we begin to see our purpose. We begin to see what God has really put us here for. Um, to give Him glory is definitely one of them. But we how do we give Him glory? And whatever we're doing, whatever He's told us to put our hand to do, and not looking back at what was yesterday, even when it gets difficult. 
you know, there are times when I'm like, God, am I going the right way? Am I mm. doing the right thing? Because nobody showed up, <laughs> nobody. <laughs> but I'm still pressing forward. I'm yeah. still going. Uh, when the money's low, when the finances aren't there, you know, God, is this really what you want me to do? And you know, because I, I, I have a law practice, Lord, I could, I could, I could definitely just, you know charge uh, some clients and, you, know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but he's like, no, I want you coming off of that. I want you doing um, different things. And so, you know, it's really believing because I literally hadn't taken clients for a whole year mm. um, just doing what God told me to do. And so I really had to take a step of faith and trust in him and um, make a lot of sacrifices and um, which is what he also says, present your bodies as living sacrifices, mm-hmm. holy and accepted, acceptable. And to me, that's our reasonable service. And he said, that's the least I could do. And so I, I said, yes, I gave him a full yes Amen. this time. And um, so, yeah, pulling that purpose out of people and letting them know that even when things get difficult doesn't mean that it's not where you're supposed to be. But it might be exactly where you're supposed to be because um, God is putting us through the test um, and through the fire. Uh, but we know we come out of the fire as pure gold. Mm, that's great. Nikkei, with like the minute or two we have left, uh, you're inspiring. So I just want to get, let you make, uh, for lack of a better word, a sales pitch. That person's in their car right now. They're going, ah, I got stuff to do tomorrow night, but this sounds great. Close the deal. Tell somebody why they should come uh, tomorrow night. You need to be here because you know good and well in your spirit that you just haven't been in the place that God wants you to be. Mm-hmm. You know that uh, things with him and you have not been really connected. You know him, but you need to revisit who he really is and who he really wants you to be in him. And so do not miss this experience. This is the match that is going to relight the fire within you so that you can fulfill the plan that God has put in you and on your life. I know the plans I have for you. They are to give you an expected end, not just rambling on and, you know, walking around waywardly, but for you to have a certain direct path in him. And that's what God wants to do in this season. Amen. Pastor Eric, you want to add to that? Real quick. um, (laughs) You know, after all of this, you don't need an excuse. You need expectation. There you Mm. go. And so come through and and with an expectation, see what God does uh, beyond even your wildest dreams. Yeah, I love that. Can't wait to hear the stories and see that fire that is sparked again at the Fire Friday Revival. You can find out more at whatsinyou.org. You can learn more about the ministry of Nikkei at morenikkeishelton.com. And you can also listen to Nikkei and Eric on What's In You on WEZE in Boston. Hey, friends, thanks so much for being here with us today. Thank you for having us. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson alongside my co-host, Brian Fromm. And we have probably our favorite and cutest special (laughs) guest with us right now. I don't know if Brian would agree with that or not, but it is my hubby, Kevin Sampson. Kevin, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for all those who are listening for your service who have been in the military. Oh, well, that's a good segue, Kevin. Kevin is here um, because whenever Kevin's here, that must mean we are doing one of our favorite things to do. And that is a quiz show. And today, in honor of Veterans Day, we are doing a very special Veterans Day quiz. 
Veterans, we salute you, we honor you, and we thank you. And now, it's time for a special Veterans Day quiz. Here's your host, Aubrey Sampson. Are you guys ready? We are ready. Although, I feel like I should be allowed to weigh in on cutest and whatever else you just... I don't want to sign on that. I'm not sure I can sign on to that one. Okay, so you're not co-signing that. That'll just no. be for me. Let the record show. Brian is not for admitting you. to that. Okay. Yeah. Um, you are- just you just threw fuel on my fire. <laughs> <laughs> am, I'm coming strong on this. Let's quiz. go. More. Let's go. <laughs> Kevin's out. He's walking away. Okay, so <laughs> just so the people know, we have a two to one situation. Brian has won the quiz show two times. Kevin has won one time. So this is like a tie making moment right here in honor of the veterans. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. Here we go. All right. Question number one. Veterans Day was originally known as what? Armed Forces Day, Armistice Day, Cease Fire Day, or Uniform Holiday? Brian, what say you? I go with A. Hey, Armed Forces Day. Kevin, what say you? B, Armistice. It was Armistice. Oh, yeah. Well done, no. Kevin. Well done, Kevin. Okay. Question number two. What is the significance of the date, November 11th? Is it that the armistice between the Allied forces and Germany was put into effect on the 11th hour? Is it that the armistice between the Allied forces and Germany was put into effect on the 11th month? Is it that the armistice between the Allied forces in Germany was put into effect with the signatures from 11 military leaders? Or is it that the armistice between the Allied forces in Germany was put into effect 11 days after the end of the Great War? Brian, what say you? Man, they all sound good to me. I, I'm going to go with A again. A. Okay. Kevin? There were such long answers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so true. Um, what, what was C? What was C? C was the signatures of 11 military leaders. No, what was B? B was the 11th month. Yeah, we'll go B. Okay, you guys are both correct. I would accept uh, answer A and B because the armistice between the Allied forces in Germany was put into effect on the 11th hour on the 11th month in 1918. Wow. Okay. Wow. Well it's like a tie. Okay. It's okay. two to one. It's two to one right now. Okay. Number three. Other countries have similar celebrations to honor their veterans. What does Australia call its version of Veterans Day? Is it A, Remembrance Day? B, Military Honors Day, C, Defense Force Day, or D, Tri-Service Day. Kevin? B has been working for me. B, Remembrance Day? No, B was Military Honors Day. Yeah, Military Honors Day. Okay, Uh, Brian? I I think it's uh, Tri-Service. I think it's D. Okay, Tri-Service Day. The answer is actually Remembrance Day. All all of Great Britain celebrates Remembrance Day, and they practice two minutes of silence at 11 a.m. on their Remembrance Day. Okay. Okay. All right. Number four. What year was Armistice Day updated by Congress to be known as Veterans Day? 1950, 1954, 1959, or 1978? Brian? Um, 1954. Okay, Kevin? 78. 
B. Okay, so this one is a little bit of a tricky one. I'm going to give the point to Brian because it was Dwight Eisenhower originally did this in 1954. But listen to this. In 1978, Gerald Ford had to do it again because the American people were so confused. <laughs> yeah, so I, that's right. I, that's when it was updated. Well, it, it was originally updated in 1954. The second oh updating. So, so you're tied. You're tied. Okay. We're tied. tied. All right. This are is... you guys ready for the next one? Okay. <laughs> Here we go. All right. Number five. Of the 16 million Americans who served in World War II, how many are currently still alive? 500,000, or 300,000? Kevin? 300,000. Brian? My first thought was 500,000. Okay, Kevin is correct. It is oh, yes. only yes. 300,000. Is That's a whole generation yeah, dying yeah. away. Another site actually said after 2020 and the effects of 2020, it is already down to 240,000. Wow. All right. Number six, Kevin, it is three, you, Brian, two right now. Here we go. That's right. All right. What, what is the state with the highest percentage of veterans living in it? California, Texas, Alaska, or Virginia, Brian. When you before you read the answers, I thought in my head it's going to be Texas, so I'm going to stick with that. I'm going okay. Texas. Kevin, um, I'm going to go Virginia because the military academies. So it's actually, believe it or not, Alaska. Oh, that was good thought about a Virginia though. Yeah, Why you I, went Virginia was pretty good. Then yeah, I, I, I was scared oh. there. <laughs> I will say that I, my first thought was Texas, though. Yeah, yeah. I will say that Virginia has the highest percentage of veteran women, but overall, Alaska, Maine. That's and, what I was. Alaska. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I was going. <laughs> Alaska, Maine, and Montana have uh, the highest percentage of veterans living there. All right. Here we go. Number seven. What is our score? Oh, still three to two. Still it is. Three, three to, to two. two. Kevin. Okay. Well, we're going to see what happens next. All right. Here we go. Number eight. The Arlington National Cemetery holds an annual memorial service every Veterans Day and Memorial Day. The cemetery is home to the graves of how many people? Is it 100,000, 200,000, 300,000, or four? Hundred thousand, Kevin. My goodness, those are all. It's a lot, no matter what number. I know. Um, Two hundred thousand. Okay, Brian. I feel like whenever you give a lot of numbers, it's always either the biggest or the smallest. So I'm going 400,000. You are correct, Brian. Ah, you yes. are correct. Oh. 400,000. Okay, this is the tie-breaking question and the final question. Oh, our, final question already. three to three. Are you ready? I'm nervous. Okay, this is a big one. Who said the following? My only regret is that I have but one life to give for my country. Oh, we should all know this. Was it Nathan Hale? Was it George Washington? Was it Abraham Lincoln? Or was it Frederick Douglass? Kevin? My only regret is that I have but one life. He's Googling right it now. It is. <laughs> I, wish, I, wish I, I wish I could type that fast. Uh, Nathan Hale. Okay. Brian? Frederick Douglass. 
It is Nathan Hale! In 1776, he was executed by the British for being a spy. So we officially have Kevin as a winner, but that means we have a tie. Till the next holiday. Till the next holiday. Aubrey, I have to to, uh, say that you sounded much more excited when he won than when I won last (laughs) time. Well, again, the cutest guest, I feel like, deserves to win sometimes. <laughs> Kevin, thanks so much for being here today and veterans everywhere. We honor you. To everyone, thanks so much for being with us today. We'll be back again tomorrow from 4 to 6 p.m. For Brian Fromm, I'm Aubrey Sampson, and you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. <laughs>